0: So today we're going to be spending a lot of time in Romans chapter 10. Um, I want us just to kind of be reminded because we have been really pressing in um, to chapter 9 over the last several weeks. Um, There is a singular train of thought that Paul is approaching here and um, out of that train of thought election is something that he that he kind of brings to the foreground this this idea of election um, to kind of steer this this thought and this idea. Um, so the first thing that I want us to just uh, refresh ourselves with chapter nine verse six. Um, the point of this entire discussion we find here, but it is not as though the word of God has failed and Paul has, um, brings out this idea of election, this narrowing down throughout history um, of this selected people, um, that, that it is not the first time that God has done this, so that when we find ourselves, um, or, or when the readers, like contemporary readers um, of Paul's day would have found themselves um, with this thought of like, why, why have the Jews seemingly missed out on this, if um, if if God's can't fail and, and if they have missed out on it and God has failed then how can I have the hope that um, you're telling me I should have in, in chapter 8 um, so Paul goes to great lengths here um, trying to encourage us that it is not as though the word of God has failed and um, one of the primary tools that he's using for this um, is this idea of of election. Now, last week we we kind of came out in verse 24 and started entering into this like this there's this narrowing neck of the funnel right and there's some very difficult things that we um that we have dug through to get there. But then what we find is, is is a sort of pivot beginning to happen in chapter 24. Now, it's not the last time that we will deal with these difficult ideas in this run of text. But um, I think this, this um, does a good job of uh, serving us in our understanding of that Paul here is not wanting you to focus on Moses or Pharaoh that's not the point that is and that is a point of evidence for the greater point that he's trying to bring out the fact that God's word can't fail, right that it is not as though the Word of God has failed there in six and now we find we find it in verse twenty four um, this kind of um, these glimpses towards the point of the whole thing that this narrowing down ultimately. To the one man, um, Christ, has now made this hope available to all. Um, And we touched on that uh, last week. So verse 24, even us, who he has called, not from the Jews only, right? That narrowing, 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 narrowing. Um, was this narrowing down of the people of the Jews and ultimately down to Christ? But He's done this. This great work um, is not for the Jews only, but also for the Gentiles, as indeed He says in Hosea. And then He kind of goes there, and and we we get into this um, kind of broadening, broadening, broadening. And um, in verse in verse thirty. Um, And 31 of chapter 9, we read, What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by what? Faith. But Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. And why did they not succeed? Why Why did Israel fail to reach the goal of righteousness there. Why? Scripture's Scriptures clear to us um, why they felt because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. There are some warnings there that we should heed ourselves um, lest we find ourselves thinking that we're going to attain righteousness. Um, righteous living in our lives by our own works and not by the work of uh, God in us and our faith that he will complete that work. so uh, we, we continue pushing on and, and we, we see him kind of digging more into this idea in the, in the first four verses of chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is for the Jews, is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of what? The the thing that they were seeking by pursuing the law was righteousness, yet they were ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Verse 4, critical to our understanding of this, for Christ is the end of the law. What was the law given to us for? What is the ultimate place that the law has for us today. It reveals sin. The law is excellent at revealing sin. It has no teeth for removing it. It cannot. That was never the point of the law. The point of the law was in the revealing of our need... For Christ. The law points us to Christ. That's why scripture here says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to who? Everyone who believes. Now, as we get into what we're going to be pressing into today, I want you to realize the tension that there is between what we were looking at in this ever-narrowing that we see in Romans chapter 9, and now this, like, focus on faith, focus on believing. Paul has not shifted his thoughts. Paul is not now on another topic. Paul is not trying to prove another point. Paul here is still trying to point us to the reality that it is not as though the Word of God has failed. But you cannot... Scripture does not allow us to separate election from faith and believing, right? It does not allow us... There is not enough room in Scripture between when when election is spoken of and when faith and believing is spoken of that we can rightly address one without addressing the other, right? So... it's, it should be of no surprise to us that Paul goes from these hard realities that we find about Pharaoh into faith and believing. And then what does he, he actually like, he doesn't just keep running in the believing, he actually pivots back, right? But it's this this thought, this understanding, like if we press, if we are not careful and we do attempt to address and understand election, and set faith and believing to the side there is a great risk to our understanding of election to or like those that type of approach to dealing with the idea of election i would say is probably the thing that often leads us to questioning the character of god right like is god good right because we 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 Focus and spend so much time on those things that are that that seem so difficult for us to understand the hardening of Pharaoh as one um that that we'll spend so much time there, and then we'll like when we get done with that like there will be there would be many who would teach you. On election, or there would be many studies that you would go through that when they got to the end of that there where it 's like now this study of ele- on election is done. we got to the hardening we talked about the hardening, but like that 's we ought not do that, and that like we 're like six or so lessons into this study on election now, more probably so in this than we 've done on any other idea or any other uh, area in systematic theology because. I, I feel very strongly about the dangers of separating election and just letting it sit in isolation, right? Um, like when we approach it, we ought to approach it in in Scripture, in the run of Scripture, in the places that we find it. Because what we find when we do that is that we find these, um, these flows. So um, from these very difficult um, ideas that we find in chapter 9, um no shifting of gears here right like that's what i want us to understand when we hit what we're about to hit we're still in we're still in the stream of thought on election right like we are about to get to like what ought to be for us some like encouraging empowering like emboldening runs of text don't separate it either from what has come before it, right? There's 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 a similar risk on both sides. Okay, so let's let's understand that there's going to be this tension here. There, there's going to be questions um, that that arise. I want us to do like Paul has done: address things, but address the root of things, right? Like the root of the thing that was addressed when he when he gets into the the Potter's freedom there um, in. Uh, verse 21 is 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 ultimately is god free yes but the point of bringing these things out is you question the character of god that's why he brings these things out is that you think that god is not good you think that god would be unfair that god would be unkind right That's ultimately because he gets really hard with us in that one little run like, who are you? Who are you to question God? Who are you to question your Creator? And he does that not because there's not legitimate questions there, but because we would focus so much on those questions that we would fail completely to get the point that God cannot fail. Right? How many times do we do that when we think about this idea? How many times do we get so far in the weeds that we don't grasp that the whole point of bringing this idea up in general is so that we have this unshakable knowledge that God's Word cannot fail. Period. Yes. Yeah. The size of a truck, which is why he can say and pray the way he does at the first part of chapter nine and the first part of chapter ten. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's if it we just keep reading. Yeah. Keep reading. Like that's yeah, that's a le like lessons within the lesson here. Like read be 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 in it okay so now verse 5 of chapter chapter 10 same train of thought not shifting gears going in the same direction trying to prove the same point verse 5 for moses writes and i'm going to read a long span here i'm going to read from 5 down to 13 um, or maybe through 13. So, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, don't say to your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring down Christ, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay. We're here here in the thick of election. And what does Scripture say? If you confess, what? 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 If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Who is this for? Anyone who will. Anyone who will. Everyone who will. Right? And then there's that tension that draws us back. What about Pharaoh? What about Pharaoh, mm-hmm. right? Well, Romans 1 says no one is without excuse, right? No and one is that without that,
1: excuse. And, and we talk about the withdrawal and the hardening, but Romans 1 is so clear that everyone, everyone is without excuse. Yeah, and That is a hard truth for us too.
0: Because we think, well, they don't have the knowledge that we do of Jesus, no. and they're over in a, a yeah. in an area. But yet, well, the, the, there's a
1: general through, revelation. But even like Dustin pointed out in the, all the different plagues, we denied, and it came down to the hell. Of, yeah. And Pharaoh acknowledged God. He, he but he did to a certain degree. Yeah. That way, but he didn't accept.
0: Yeah, so we that was his we find we find several cases where like, so like even like take Peter like take a take a comparison between Peter and Judas. Which, which of them was worthy of Jesus coming and saying, Do you love me? Hmm? Who, who was worthy of it? Right? I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll die for you. You will do no such thing, you coward. And yet, like when we... I would be different. Right? That's, the, that's the thought that we have. That's why we'll call him a coward. We're all cowards. We say we'll do things and we won't. We'll say we'll do things and we can't. We are in need of something. We are lacking in something. Peter and Judas... And yet.
1: Seems like the only difference between the two of them is that Peter <coughs> found himself back right where he was. And some man came and called out to him. Right. Cast your net again, just like I've done before, on the other side of the boat. Right. And then he comes and makes a breakfast for him Yeah. He looks him square in the eye and says, Feed my
0: sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Peter's being made whole there was not of his own was not of his own right? Like Jesus comes to him. Right? Like He did, he did. And this is like this is the reality of Scripture. Like like this is what we're going to find as we press into this and we get into these like this beautiful text that like should lead us to preaching the gospel and then we're gonna go on a little bit further and it's like well but what about Israel though?
1: Can can you not say that Christ could have come, Christ could have died, Christ could have rose again, and we would have never been saved, right? Because he would have justified the Lord. Yeah. He would have been justifying his father for past sins that had been previously overlooked and for not destroying those who he allows to continue to live. Yeah. But Christ, in his resurrection, comes to his own disciples through a wall and says, Behold, yeah. my hands and my feet. And he, calls, he calls them belief. Yeah. When he comes, he draws near, he reveals himself, and then he is continuing to draw near. Yes. To, us, to the preaching of God's word, to men who are saying, "Behold the Christ who is resurrected from the dead." Yes. Look on His face, draw near to Him, and He will draw near to
0: you. Yeah. Like, he,
1: the preaching of God's word is still preeminent. Every
0: bit of this. Absolutely, He preaches the gospel to them. The Spirit opens their minds. They see the things that He was saying before that, like they didn't get. Before, now clarity comes in this Jesus' first preacher, right? Jesus' preeminent preacher. When someone believes today, it's not because the preacher. It's still because of Jesus and the Spirit. And there's a hope that comes in, like, can Landon fail? Can Dustin fail? Can any of us fail? Clearly. Clearly. Clearly, clearly. Can my word fail? Can Dustin's word fail? Can your word fail? Clearly. Can God's word fail? And in this, I can fail, he cannot. You can fail, he cannot. What hope do I have for you? What hope do I have for the hearts that are darkened? My ability to like... Captivate your attention? My ability to draw you in? No. Perhaps I could excite you for a moment, and then your nature will draw you back. Without the work of the Spirit in you, if we spoke and we were not given... The Spirit working in His Word. None would be saved from a breath that I breathe. Mm -hmm. But if God can't fail, if He has called us, if He has sent us, and He has promised to go with us, then we can be certain that it will not fail. There's no question. Because it is not our capabilities... It is His. This is why when Paul brings this up after Romans chapter 8 to anchor us into the hope that we have there that He wants to show to us throughout all human history that God's work can't fail. He's been working for this. If all humanity, if all the angels fallen and unfallen, deciding in a moment that they would attempt to stand against the will of God, we would collectively all fail. He would not. His word cannot. And that's why when we get into this, like... Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him for the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord over all, bestowing His riches on all, 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 all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will, will, will be saved. What if if you go to a place and there they hate all things God and you preach the gospel? You put the word forth and the Holy Spirit moves and just one believes. Look at this insurmountable obstacle that we have before us, a culture that will kill that man for the thing that he believes. If I'm betting, if I'm wagering, I'm wagering on that one. I'm wagering on that one because if the spirit is moving watch and wait on him to change everything the like he stacked the deck against himself and wins right like the thing that we fear the most is the weapon that he wields Death, where is your sting? He right. To and, and we we here is the thing. He, he, he. I must say, makes us right, but makes is probably too strong of a word. He encourages us. He moves in us. He moves in ways that we don't understand. Right. He moves through those primary influences, the Word, and as we read through it, He moves through those secondary influences, the people that He's brought us amongst one another so that when we hear them and the Holy Spirit within us confirms, amen to that, right? He moves and He encourages and He sends us. There are places in this world that I never in a million years saw myself going. And as I reflect back on it, I'm like, didn't pick that one. Didn't pick that one. Prayed about that one. Look at how he moves in us, right? And he, he draws out in us this willingness. So you might be sitting here, whenever I read this, when I read this, I, like that's, this, is, this, is a, this is a beautiful thing for us to consider here, is that in this encouraging, he calls us to this work. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? How? How? How did Peter, right? Jesus preached to him the gospel, lived it in front of his eyes, and the Holy Spirit moving in his heart. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Who will preach? Who will go? Jesus came. Jesus preached. Jesus sent. And he still does today. Like, this is not a thing that he just did for the 12. Right? This is why Dustin will stand up and preach today. because Not because he felt something, but because Jesus called him to preach and go. How will anyone who hates God believe if they don't hear? And how will they hear if someone does not go, this is a like this is like we we talk about chapter eight and the golden chain in chapter eight. There's a there's a beautiful golden chain here for me in um, chapter ten of Romans as well. This this idea of like how how did you come to believe is that this 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 chain has gone throughout history unbroken. Right? You believe today because someone preached. And someone believed. And God moved in that heart that they would go and preach. And that someone would believe. And then you would move in that generation. There's there's been one consistent thing throughout the church. Two. Christ and the fact that we live a very short amount of time. The church is not here today because of any other man than Christ. Because Dustin will die. And Mount Carmel, given enough time? Given enough time? How many churches do we know of that were there and now they're not? Consistently. Yet, what do we find every time is that God is moving, preaching through His Word to His people, generation after generation. Men are called, and when I say men, I'm using that that term broadly, right? Like we are called. We share this gospel with our families, amongst one another, Bible studies, in our communities. The Holy Spirit moves because He's faithful. Faith rises up in the heart of another generation. This continues on and on and on. So how will they, verse verse 14, uh, how will they call on Him in whom they've not believed, and how are they to believe on Him of whom they've never heard, and how are they to hear without someone preaching, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Amen? Like You today, believer, owe everything to God, and yet He found it fitting to use fallible people, including the twelve, including the early church. Many failings, like you, like the culture around us, will point out quickly the failings of the church throughout history, and that's well and good. But in the ashes of the church's failings, I hope that we see the unfailing Word of God. right. Right? I hope that we see it. Can His Word fail? Will there be a future day in which if every city, every nation set out to crush every believer and every church... Is there the possibility that they could wipe out the kingdom of God? No, never. No, never. This is the the type of hope that we're fixed in when we dig through these types of thoughts. That's the point that Paul's trying to, to bring out to us here. And now he's kind of uh, puts in a, a kind of a hint at kind of some of the thoughts that he's going back to. He, he, he pushes this idea out faith, believing, in the midst of this discussion. And then verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Right? That brings out what she was saying. Some people. Why, Why do some? Not willing, Why? Believe, yes.
1: Just believe.
0: Right, know, right.
1: What could, what could cause you not to believe?
0: Like, why can you not believe? Why does? it, Yeah. But, why? but that is not what he's called us to. He's just said, preach. Yeah. The word does the work. Yes. We don't do the work. We don't. Do yes, the word. we don't do it. We don't do it, and we may go out doing it, and and uh, everything that would that it would appear was that our efforts fail. Right. But God does not fail. God right and in working in us in that none of that work is in vain right if it appears if we go out in faith and and I'm going to I'm going to murder I'm going to murder this um this this story but um go go look up um John Piper's um analogy of the uh the seashells it was a sermon he preached at like passion or something like years and years and years ago and and in that he accounts two different accounts one is an account of like a missionary um family that dies and it's one of those like they died in the mission field and it seemed like nothing fruitful came out of it and he's like is that a wasted life Is that a wasted life? And then he reads from like Reader's Digest about this story about this couple that like worked hard their whole lives. And like, man, they like you're talking epitome of the of the uh, American dream. Right, and and he he posits this idea of them standing before their their savior, and, and in the in that Reader's Digest story, like um, they were talking about the things that they were doing. Um, so you've got missionaries dying in the mission field, dying, you, you know, like in like a car accident, not even like martyrdom, but just like you know. And then you've got this these other people living their best life, and they're collecting seashells on the beach. Which sounds, you know, like for a moment might be fun, relaxing, um, and then he kind of puts forward this idea, like, you know, you're standing before your Savior in the in that like twilight of your life, and what have you done with yourself? Hey, Jesus, here's this uh, this shell collection that I've put together, it, thinking about like w- wasted life, and um, whenever I whenever I think about. We do we do it we We do it we do it Um, it it puts in perspective that 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 story puts in perspective for me like um, what it means to live life well um, and I think that that flows in um, really well with um, what it is that we've been called to do Um, and here's encouraging like you're Like Part of that, not the whole thing, but part of that is what we're doing here. And I'm not just talking about me standing here. I'm talking about you being here. You encouraging one another. You drawing close, like community. The the church, the community of the church um, is is critical to the life of the individuals within the church. um, But in that, you are working out these things. Like, like, there are countless times, and if we were to go around the room, there would be countless examples of times that someone who was not standing teaching and not standing preaching said something, did something, that worked to further this reality that God's not failing. He's not failing in the working out in you, in the lives that you live among believers, Right? He's not failing in the word that is preached. He can't. He can't fail. But then we have that question, what about those who don't? Because do ev- does everyone who hears this believe? And here's the reality. Like when we think like there's another drawing back, why? Why? Why is it that you do believe? Why do you believe? Like if I said it's because the Holy Spirit moved through the working of the Word, drawing you from darkness to light, is, is that, would, is that a, like a way of phrasing that? We all agree that you believe because the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Then why the Holy Spirit for you and not others would be a question that I would have. Is the Holy Spirit... So, so there's, this, there's this tension between the work of the Spirit, the responsibility of the hearer, okay? Now, I want us, I want us to ask ourselves a question because what we're about to, what we're about to hit is, is going to be Paul kind of summarizing this reality. Now, when we approach this, there's a way that you could approach this that you would say that, that it was a collective hardening. Okay that it was a, that Israel was collectively hardened for this moment. Okay? You can read it like that. But we can't avoid like if 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 it said instead that Mount Carmel in 2022 was hardened, would it make you feel better that it was Mount Carmel in 2022? It wouldn't make you feel better that it was a group in, in, in a particular year. Do you know why? Because you find yourself in that group. Right? So like, when we read this, there is this like aspect of this that is a collective. It is Israel in the time of Christ. But if we draw too far into that, then the question that should draw us back is were there names in that collective like is there a person there like for him to harden Mount Carmel in 2022 he's got to harden Blake right he's got to harden Landon he's got to harden Dustin so like by us addressing it as a collective we don't sidestep that hard question right Like, we can address it as a collective, Israel, contemporary to Christ. But that collective is made up of individuals. So when we hit this, like, when we hit this, like, but they've not all believed, Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed us? Or who has believed what he has heard from us? Right, so... Scripture used here to put forward that same question, right? Who's believed? Who's believed? Verse 17, really quickly, this is kind of that flow from what he was doing earlier. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you believe that faith that you have, If no one preached to you, it is impossible for you to have it. And when I say no one preached to you, I'm including several categories there. Like the Holy Spirit preaching through the the reading of His Word to you. Jesus preaching to you as you read the book yourself. Preachers preaching in a pulpit. um, Missionaries preaching in a mission field. Like without the Word, there is no faith because what is it that you're believing in right so faith comes from hearing now hearing this is a general sense of hearing like hearing in the sense of of coming to understanding right like if you're deaf you can still hear in this sense okay Um, so faith comes from hearing that is hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is why it is important for us to go and preach because there is no hope, no hope at all for salvation apart from the gospel. Verse verse uh, 18 here. But I ask... Have they not heard? Again, like you can't avoid this question. What about Israel? Haven't they heard? But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. And then he quotes scripture Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With the foolish nation, I will make you angry. What are we reading there when we read that for Moses? That's prophetic. That's before the time of the Jewish nation contemporary to Jesus. So he's drawing out again. So before in chapter 9, we get this narrowing. Like, guys, this is not the first time. And now that we're addressing the Israel... Like, why is it that Israel hasn't believed... We get this putting Scripture forward again for us. One, this prof- these, are, these are prophetic words here. I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. That is the Gentiles, right? This is what will happen. What you're seeing, what Paul is saying is what you're seeing now was foretold. It was foretold. God can't fail because He literally prophesied this very thing. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I've been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But, verse 21, of Israel he says all the day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And we're going we're to pick up here next week, but I want us to kind of read this. I ask then, has God rejected his people? So, has his word failed? No. Has he rejected his people? Paul says, by no means. So, did he reject the people of Israel? By no means. This is again following that same pattern that we saw earlier. Like, there's some questions he's not going to let us go far on. By no means. He's going to address in chapter 11... How do you answer that question then? How do we get like, that most of them don't and God still didn't fail, right? So like we've got this that we've looked at today. Like We've come from like, this hardening and, and mercy. Now we've got belief in the gospel being preached. And now we have the gospel being preached. Yet an entire people who it would seem that they would be for have rejected How do we reconcile those, right? This is a, there's a reason that it's taking us as many weeks as it's taking us because this train of thought is not a simple train of thought for us to follow, right? So we're gonna pick back up uh, next time. Um, We'll pick back up next time with that.